Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and today I'm joined by Barry White. <laughs> Good day to you, Ryan. <laughs> it's really deep, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, ladies and gentlemen, before we start recording, I listen to Justin's voice about five times in a row and every time I hear it, it sounds even funnier than it did before. It's remarkable yeah. how deep your voice is today. <laughs> it's, it's what a cold does to you. I've not been ill since before COVID, so I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, but this cold just hit me hard and it's it's made my voice hit new hit new lows, literally. It sounds quite sensual, if anything. You don't sound ill, you just obviously have a much deeper voice than usual. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel terrible, but yeah, I, I hope my voice soothes people through the day well i imagine it's going to be a new experience for quite a few listeners of this podcast because some of them will be listening and finding themselves getting quite turned on uh, you're all listening to the okay. biggest championship specific <laughs> podcast the second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are we are entering week two of the championship we've had the opening weekends now we go into the mysterious week two where we've got a bit of information on all these sides, having seen how they did in the first week. Now we can have a little bit of a chat about how they did in the first week, Justin, and how we think they'll do in the games coming up in the second week. So we're going to look ahead to four games in particular this coming weekend in the Championship. Then we'll talk about some of the news, and then we'll finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. So, Justin, first game that we've got coming up this weekend, and it's a bit of a thigh rubber, really, is West Brom versus Luton. Mm. Two sides who had a decent start. Well, one side had a decent start to the championship season. The other one had a cracking start to the championship season. Luton coming off the back of a 3-0 win over Peterborough, while West Brom drew 2-2 away at Bournemouth. Both these sides looking quite good in those opening games. Yeah, absolutely. I think West Brom in particular going forward were really, really effective. The way they created chances... I think Matt Phillips coming on in the second half against Bournemouth or West Brom changed the game for them. And they've got more gears to go through. We know that that they can improve massively um, defensively is, is an area. And that's where Luton, well, that's where I think Luton can try and exploit a little bit. We saw how creative and relentless Luton were in their attack against Peterborough at the weekend. And I think there's an opportunity here to to go out and get three points. And obviously West Brom being at home as well, first, first time at home for in front of fans probably since um, a long time ago it's going to be a very very good game um, a, bit, a bit similar to the Bournemouth game I think in, in the sense that we've got two teams that are wanting to press very highly but you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Nathan Jones juggle things a little bit as well Yeah well I think you'd expect West Brom to win this game considering On paper absolutely Yeah 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 but Luton as we say have just come off a very promising win against Peterborough where they basically stopped Peterborough having any attacks at all. Peterborough were mm-hmm. so blunt against Luton. And some might say that was down to Peterborough and their players not necessarily being 100% fit. Yeah. But Luton, at the same time, I think you've got to give credit to them and say they did a job on Peterborough and just completely blunting anything they wanted to do. They will have to do it again and probably a bit more against West <laughs> Brom because... From what we saw in that Bournemouth game, they looked very, very threatening going forwards, didn't they? They did. They were they were very exciting at any opportunity, whether that be from a set piece, from a corner, from a throw, from a free kick, or from open play. 
they were looking like they could score, uh, which it obviously, as, as we know, is, is quite quite scary if you're an opposition defender because uh, and an opposition goalkeeper, as we saw, they were, Bournemouth were under com- uh, constant pressure against West Brom and uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting tie for, for Luton and how they cope defensively and, and whether they're not, they go with the same mentality they did against Peterborough. I know they're two different sides completely with different quality of players as well, but I feel like having that consistency would be better suited to Luton um, going into this game and I think they could ruffle some feathers as well. But West Brom, I just really liked what I saw from them against Bournemouth in the way that they were playing exactly how I was hoping Valerie and Ishmael will get this side playing in the way that the pressing, I mean, pressing was kind of expected, wasn't it? Valerie and Ishmael wasn't yeah. just going to suddenly have his team sitting back. But in terms of how they played when they actually had the ball, moving it around quickly, moving it around mm-hmm. on the ground, fast tempo, short passes was quality. I really, really enjoyed it. So it looks like Valerie and Ishmael has already got a hold on how the West Brom team want to play it, and the players seem to be enjoying it as well. The front three of Robinson, Dean Garner and Grant were all over the place for against Bournemouth because they were constantly moving around and yeah. it was really, really entertaining to see. And when you're an opposition defence, keeping a lid on that is going to be it's an difficult. absolute nightmare, especially when you've got you know the likes of Townsend, Furlong on the wings as well. And then Alex Maurer, you know, floating around in the middle of the park and you don't want to give him too much time on the ball either. So, yeah, West Brom, very impressive. As I say, you'd expect them to get three points against Luton. But if Luton can do a job again, like they did against um, Peterborough at the weekends, then they'll be hoping that they can get something out of it. And a point away at the Hawthorns, second game of the season, would be an unbelievable result for the Hatters, wouldn't it? It'd be a great result, um, and that's just—I mean, you just heard, you just heard my voice break a little bit there. That's the, the, some of the problems I'm going to face during this episode. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be a great result for Luton, um, not only because they're coming away to a, a team that is much fancied for, for promotion, have a huge budget compared to them, have a huge talent, of, a huge pool of talent of players, and it, it will show you how far Luton have come as well. Um, in the sense that they are, I mean, I fancy them to go ahead and get a result at, at West Brom, whereas potentially last season or the season before, you'd had no chance. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to another game on Saturday, Justin. This is the Saturday night, 8pm game. It's Swansea v Sheffield United live on Sky Sports. Um, this is an interesting one because both sides didn't have the best start to the season. Sheffield United obviously lost against Birmingham on the opening day. They were pretty average, actually, really average, mm-hmm. and were restricted to shots from distance throughout the whole game. Swansea, on the on the other hand, new to this Russell Martin style of play, and it went a bit disastrously against Blackburn and could have gone a lot worse, really, and really should have gone a lot worse if Blackburn had their shooting boots on. Um, what do you think of this game, Justin? I think you've got two teams there that are going to want to play a possession game or, or at least going to want to have a lot of the ball. Um, and, and in that sense, you'd, you'd, you'd say that they might cancel each other out. Although, I think on the back of the midweek result for Swansea in the Cup, beating Reading 3-0, I know Reading played a, a younger side, but... It's a confidence booster for, for Russell Martin and 
probably his confidence in his team as well. That's going to help. Um, and obviously Sheffield United, I still think Jukanovic is. I think Jukanovic is going to take a little bit of time to find his best his best team because I think the team that he lined up with against Birmingham City was a quite surprising actually. I, I just didn't expect. I didn't expect four at the back for starters. And I didn't expect a front three of McGoldrick, Musse, and, and Burke because um, you've got two players there who are very similar. Um, so I, 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 it's very hard to separate them in terms of styles of play and it's very hard to separate them in terms of the outcome as well because I just don't think either team is ready to really go and, and, and push just yet. Well, the way I'm looking at it is if Swansea play like they did against Blackburn on Saturday, then Sheffield United could be licking their lips because <laughs> the number of chances Swansea gave away from them trying to play out from the back and just basically giving the ball away. It just kept happening again and again against Blackburn. And yeah. if Sheffield United, well, we all know about their striker options, any of those strikers, given the chance, should be taking those chances. And if that does happen, and as I say, Swansea keep giving away the ball and Sheffield United keep having chances, then it could be a bit of a rout. And I do worry that what we saw with Swansea against Blackburn it could take quite some time for Russell Martin to get his style of play across to the Swansea players. Because the thing is, they're playing out from the back, but they're playing quite wide, aren't they? If they yeah. lose the ball, then they're exposed. And with the Sheffield United team that is full of talent, they could really expose that. And it's not going to be like the Birmingham game that we saw at the weekend where Birmingham had at least six men behind the ball at every opportunity. Swansea won't be doing that. They'll be trying to play and it could go badly again. So unless there has been some drastic churn in the tactics room by Russell Martin over the week, then I do worry about Swansea in this game. Well, this is where the tie's really interesting for, for both sides. Because obviously, as you say, Swansea... If they try and repeat what they did against Blackburn, obviously it's not going to go very well because we saw how often Blackburn created chances from robbing Swansea at the back, essentially. And what you have with with Sheffield United is, as we saw at the weekend, they've got a lot of good players at the, at, at the top of the pitch. Um, they're, they're players with a lot of pace. They're players who, with a lot of energy and, and, and can burst quite quickly as well. And one of the principles that Wilder, Chris Wilder drilled into the, the Sheffield United side was their work rate off the ball. So I, I really do think that if Jukanovic can, if Jukanovic gets it right without the ball, then yeah, it could be a route, but it just depends how they, how they, how they play out. Are they, are they just going to be an in possession team? Are we just going to see them really try and emphasize that style of play? Or are they going to match it off the ball as well? Cause if they do, then yeah, it could be a route. But again, from my perspective, I just can't separate the teams at this point in this season. Let's go on to Birmingham versus Stoke, a game which saw two sides have a very good start to the season. Birmingham in the aforementioned win against Sheffield United, while Stoke beat Reading 3-2. This one's quite a difficult game to separate. The Gary Rowett derby, if you <laughs> will. Um, both sides looking fairly promising on the first day, Justin. Yeah, we saw a disciplined, organised display from Birmingham City. Uh, I think we both thought it was a four-four-two, but apparently we were, we were corrected. It was a three-five-two um, against Sheffield United. Fought for Birmingham City, and um, Stoke will play a similar formation. So, you know, there's not too much to separate there. But as you say, 
Birmingham City are very well drilled in getting the ball in the box now. They've they've recruited players to do that. They've got Luka Zhukovic up front who has got so much ability in the box, it's ridiculous. I don't think there's a better target man in the league than him right now, let's be honest. Um, and then you've got a very disciplined, organised back three in Patterson, Dean and, and, and Roberts. And they're coming up against a Stoke side who left themselves quite open at times against Reading. They were... It was it was a, a bit of a chaotic game at times. It was, a, it was as I say, very open. But there's a lot of talent in this Stoke side going forward. So, yeah, I know I'm going to say it again, but it's going to be an interesting game in, in that sense because the, the amount of talent Stoke I've got going, I've got going forwards, and how how vulnerable they might be at the back as well. And Birmingham City and Lebo, they're going to exploit that. Well, they left a lot of gaps in the middle of the park. I think was their main problem against Reading. Joe Allen was playing as the holding midfielder, but it looks like they're going to have to bring in someone else because he did not play. He did not have his best game against Reading at the weekend. But I do think that the way Birmingham play kind of suits Stoke because if, if they're getting balls in the box, then you've got the likes of Harry Souter, for example, who will be looking at Lukas Shukovic and say, yeah, I, I can have you because that's going to be one hell of a battle, those two. It, yeah, it will, but I, I don't know. But Lukas Shukovic... It'll head anything. He can get his head on anything. It doesn't matter if it's Sorry, Harry on the floor. Yeah, Th- those two will. Those two, their heads will collide, and the world will just explode. That's yeah, what I'm predicting. Arm- Armageddon at, at St Andrews. <laughs> Be like two comets colliding into each other. Um, but that, that's what I mean. If the ball is just constantly being planed into the Stoke box, then I, I think Stoke will be happy with that happening. Yes, yes, and no. I, 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 as I say, I really think Luka Djokovic is just one of a kind in the box. So I think restricting the the, the crosses that do come in, and Birmingham City, are, they're going to do a lot of it. Um, restricting the crosses coming in, I think, is the best way for it because it doesn't matter if you're Harry Suter or Nemanja Vidic. I still think Luka Djokovic will. Nemanja Vidic in his prime, by the way, not not right now. Um, I still think Djokovic will, will be a danger. It, it doesn't matter and, and and as well as that if the ball gets loose in the box you've got Scott Hogan who's a who's a prime poacher um, so I think that the, the the best route of action here is to to cut out the wide the wide balls and, and um, try and exploit the space that the wide players that Birmingham will commit going forward is yeah you've got to exploit the space in behind that Birmingham will have to try and keep holding some of the players who were unbelievable for them at the weekend, you look at Mario Vrancic, for example, who was a chance-creating machine. Nick Powell, fantastic as usual. You've got to get a hold on those players in the middle of the park. And Jacob Brown up front, he was sensational against uh, Reading at the weekend. Not someone who many people would have expected to be one of those star players up front in that game, considering they brought in the likes of Surridge and they've also still got Fletcher. But... Birmingham have got to do a job on those players as well. Let's finish off, Justin, with the final game that we've picked out to keep an eye on for in the Championship this weekend. It's Hull versus QPR. Now, Hull coming off the back of another very impressive win against Preston. Uh, QPR, on the other hand, a very tight game against Millwall. What are you thinking ahead of this game, Justin? It could be, it could be a very open game. It could be a very open high-scoring game again. I think Hull could potentially go down that route. They've got quite an inexperienced defence, so I think their strengths clearly do lie in their attack with the likes of Keane Lewis-Potter, Malik Wilkes, um, players like that going forward, Josh McGuinness as well. 
I think you are going to have to emphasise the attack more than more than your defence. And then with QPR again, we know how how much how badly they can defend, but how how good they can attack as well. Um, it just depends if they find that balance. If they can find their balance, they will have a very good season. But it's it's getting that slow start out of their system that they that they have every season essentially. And so yeah, as I say, I think it could be a very open, high-scoring game potentially. Well, as you say, Hall, brilliant going forwards. Then that defence will have to keep a hold on the likes of Charlie Austin, who is in the similar vein to Lukas Jukovic. If you get the ball into the box or get the ball to his feet, then he can make things happen. And then when you've mm-hmm. got the likes of Willock and Chair floating around him, it's hard for defences to keep a hold on them, isn't it? So looking into this game, keep you on be thinking, we, we fancy our chances here because they were so good at keeping a leash on Millwall at the weekend mm. where the goal ultimately came from a screamer. But apart from that, there wasn't much else in this game for either side. So if QPR defend as solidly again as they did and were are hopefully a bit more free-flowing in attack, then QPR will fancy their chances, won't they? Absolutely. I, I just sort of, it's just dawned on me that the fact that you know, I mentioned Hall's an experienced back line, but also you've got the, the likes of Lyndon Dykes and Charlie Austin, as you say, who are going to be licking their lips at, as we say, it's quite an experienced back line. So... Getting balls into the box, getting balls into the creative players to, to create opportunities for those forward players. Yeah, it could be it could be QPR's day, but like I said, if they get that slow start out of the system, we could be looking we could be looking at a dead rubber or or a or a very high scoring game. It's gonna be an entertaining one. I think that is guaranteed if both sides do come out of the traps here. Uh, just in less of a break after that, we'll talk about some of the news from the past week, mostly transfer news, and then we'll go on to a Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast, and now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, and it's mainly transfer news this week, I'm not going to lie. There's been so much business going on, and there's been a lot of money splashed around as well. None more so than in this move. Blackburn striker Adam Armstrong is having a medical at Southampton ahead of a £15 million move. I think by the time this episode goes out, it will have actually been complete. So, Justin, it's happened. Adam Armstrong has departed Ewood Park. What are your opinions? It's probably a good thing for Blackburn because I think they've been waiting for this to be resolved before they can start to identify targets elsewhere. They've got a tidy fee for him. I think from Adam Armstrong's perspective, I'm still not convinced by him. I know he's scored a hat full of goals, but I just don't think he's prolific enough for Premier League just yet. Um, although I still think he's a, such a good player at championship level. But from Blackburn's perspective, I think you'd be happy, wouldn't you, with, with £15 million? Yeah, I think Blackburn will be absolutely delighted with £15 million. They may have looked at it and thought maybe we could have got a couple million more, but it's in the right ballpark at the very least. And as you say, they haven't brought in any players yet, I don't think, maybe one or two. But Mm. now they can actually start making some moves in the window and bring in players because they need to, because that squad is unbearably thin at the moment. I kind of get what you mean about Adam Armstrong. In the Championship last season, he... Obviously, scored a fantastic tally of goals. What was it, 28-29, something like that? Something ridiculous. 
but he was having an enormous amount of shots per game. Five shots per game, I think, was his average last season. And he's not going to be able to do that in the Premier League, especially in the Southampton side, which is not going to be having as much of the ball as this Blackburn side was having last season. So can he afford to be you know, having a random punt from 25 yards out whenever he gets the ball? I'm not sure he can. So I'm going to be interested to see how he does in the Premier League. My initial instinct is he might not be as much a success as for the likes of Che Adams, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're quite right. I'm not ruling him out at all, or, or saying he's a he's a poor player. He's, he's he's got he's such a talent. But as you say, he went quiet in that middle third of the season when Blackburn's form really started to dip. Um, and as uh, and you quite rightly mentioned, the amount of shots he was taking per game, you know, there might have been passes on, leading to better opportunities. So, I think it's a good move all round. Um, Maybe not for Southampton because you know, Danny Ings was such a good player. And then you're getting a, a player who hasn't played any Premier League football. Um, but for Blackburn and Adam Armstrong, it's, it's a good move. But I don't know how many strikers we've got left who are going to get close to 20 goals this season. Probably just Kiefer Moore, maybe a couple of the Sheffield United guys. We're running very Mitch low Rich. now. And there's Mitch Mitch Yeah. And there are still players who could get 20 goals. There's always a couple of players who come out of the woodwork in there. But yeah, Adam Armstrong... Wouldn't surprise me if he actually ended up playing on the wing for Southampton. He has done that in the past for Blackburn, hasn't he? So that might be an option. But yeah, Adam Armstrong, prove us wrong in the Premier League. We always like to see championship players do well in the top tier, don't we? Uh, Brighton defender Leo Ostergaard has signed for Stoke on loan. He was at Coventry last season. You a fan of that? Big fan. Big fan. Defending set pieces against Stoke is going to become very, very difficult now. He's, He's such a good attacker of the ball. He's a good defender. I'm surprised Brighton have let him go, given that Ben White's um, obviously left Brighton now and Matt Clark's gone out on loan. I feel like Leo Ostergaard could have been the one to step up, but it's positive for us because we get to watch a big, scary Norwegian do good things in the Championship. Yeah. Did you see the photo Stoke put out of him after he signed? Yeah, it was pretty intimidating. He's so intimidating. It was the <laughs> scariest photo I've ever seen in my life. He's... But he looks like a Stoke player in that photo. He looks like <laughs> a 2009 Stoke player. An air of Shawcross about him. Yeah, an air of Shawcross, an air of... Uh, who's the Andy Wilkinson? That's his name. Yes, yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he was an absolute bruiser at the back, but he looks like he could fit there. He had a good, solid season at Coventry last season. He looks like he'll fit in very nicely into the back three that Michael O'Neill's very keen on at Stoke. So, yeah, looks a good signing. Another uh, signing that looks quite good from my perspective is Forrest. They've brought in fullback Jordi Osei Atutu um, on loan from Arsenal. He was at Cardiff last season, wasn't he? He didn't pull up many trees, but Forrest are desperate for a right back and he looks to be filling that slot, Justin. Yeah, he, he will do. And obviously, as you say, one of their key weaknesses at the moment is in the, the fullback positions. One thing they can improve on is, you know, if they've got good attacking fullbacks going forward, we saw how good Matty Cash was a couple of seasons ago and how, how productive he was in, in terms of contributing to goals. They need that level of creativity from those positions to really push them forward this season because for last season they didn't have it at all. So I think bringing in someone like, I say, a 2-2 is going to help them going forward, absolutely. Yeah, he loves getting forwards, so he should be able to fill that mould quite nicely. Ipswich midfielder Flynn Downs has signed for Swansea. 
this is one I'm a really big fan of, Justin. I saw Flynn Downs quite a bit uh, when I used to watch Ipswich back in the day. And uh, he was a very exciting talent back then. And he's been ready to make the step up to the championship for quite some time. He can play the ball, loves a tackle, young lad still. I think Swansea, there's been a bit of a mixed kind of reports about how much Swansea actually paid for him, but it's not much more than a million at most. So it could be an unbelievably good bit of business. And could be a perfect replacement for Matt Grimes if he does go out the door. So, yeah, massive fan of Flynn Downs going to Swansea. Middlesbrough have signed former Brentford goalkeeper Luke Daniels. Hmm, OK. So, we were saying before, Middlesbrough needed to improve in the goalkeeper position because Joe Lumley looked like their only real option heading into the season. Luke Daniels. Um, he got... He got quite good reports from the Brentford fans saying that he was, he was he's a very good character to have around the the, the team, so that's going to help um, in, in that regard. He's he is an experienced goalkeeper as well. Joe Lumley really did impress in the final few games he played for QPR last season and didn't really do anything wrong against Fulham either. So I think he's a player who has got levels to go yet. Um, so I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't roll your eyes just yet, Ryan. Let's 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 yeah, see this one out. I'm not sure. I would be concerned if I was a Middlesbrough fan. Uh, Luton midfielder Jay Morell has left to go to Portsmouth. What's happened there then? <laughs> yeah, we, were, we were expecting Jay Morell to maybe actually get a chance in the Luton team this season. It's weird how a guy can go from starting in the Wales team at the Euros every single game, but can't get into the Luton team. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have worked out. It was a transfer that we were massive fans of last season, weren't mm-hmm. we? Um, and obviously, he only made, I think it was less than 20 appearances last season for Luton. Luton had a very good midfield last season. Um, but uh, for me, in particular, I thought he impressed at the Euros. I don't think many Wales fans agreed with me. But yeah, I, I did think he impressed at the Euros. But it's a good move for Portsmouth. If if Luton get a fee for him as well, barely playing, then yeah, they'll be pretty pleased as well. It's just weird. I, I really don't understand what's going on there. I'm surprised a championship club hasn't really looked at him and just thought, if we're not going to be paying that much for him, he's worth a crack. Uh, and finally, Sol Bamba has signed for Middlesbrough. He's signed a one-year player-coach deal. It comes after he recovered from cancer in May. So that's a nice story. Well done, Sol. You are my hero. Right, Justin, now it's time for a Craig Bryson pub quiz. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do these during the midweek episodes because quite often in midweek episodes, we haven't got much to talk about. So we may as well do this instead. Um, I should really come up with a jingle the pub quiz as well have you got any ideas might just get Craig Bryson to hum or while my voice is really deep maybe we come up with a song and I can just Barry White it all the way through like that I was trying to think of a Barry White song but I can't remember how it goes I don't know any Barry White songs I'll I'll crack on with Spotify my darling Ah. that one (laughs) yeah give give us a give us a will Justin go on I'm I can't I can't (laughs) I've got to do it off camera. I can't commit to it right now. <laughs> Your self-esteem is so low. <laughs> it is. It is rock bottom um, right now. Right. So this is the Craig Bryson pub quiz. This is the part of the show where I give Justin six clues about a championship legend. He's played at least 200 championship games and will have played in the championship relatively recently. So, first clue for you, Justin Peach. I've played 221 championship games, scoring 75 goals. 
221 games and 75 goals. It's got to be a it's got to be a striker. I'm going to throw it right in there, Pablo Cunhago. It's not Pablo Cunhago. He's not played 221 championship games. Uh, he was at Ipswich for about eight years. No, he wasn't. Get out. He was. I'm going to search 100%. that well. Uh, I'll give you my next clue. Uh, I made my competitive debut in 2011 for Wildston. For Wildston. Ooh. I should know that. Um, Have I said that right? Wildston? Yeah, I know who you mean. Oh, no. He was at um, Ipswich for four years, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Wildston. I'm still stuck on this one. Uh, Wildston Raider. It's that it's team, isn't him. it? Is that your answer? <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll move on, but that'll, that I'll, I'll submit that as my answer. It's not the World Stem Raider. Uh, across the course of my career, I've cost twenty-three million pounds in transfer fees. Jesus, expensive boy. Yes, Jamie Vardy. No, no, no. That's an awful shout. <laughs> uh, despite how much I've cost, I've never played. In the Premier League. Oh, that's horrendous. Twenty-three million pounds not played in the Premier League. I won't put too much emphasis on Wildstone. What I would focus on is when he made his debut, which is in twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Championship debut in twenty eleven. What for Wildstone? All right, sorry. <laughs> um seventy five goals. I'm still stuck on this. I can't think of anyone. Um out of practice with the old Craig Brysons. I'm going to go with um, Jack Marriott. No, That's terrible, terrible shout. Pounds. Yeah. yeah, and also 75 goals. Yeah. At oh, championship level, gosh. I've played for three clubs, including Watford and Forest. That's Lewis Graben. No, it's not Lewis Oh, Graben. my God, I said that with such confidence. <laughs> Lewis Grubb and play for Watford? And he hasn't played for three clubs in the Championship, has he? Uh, this has been an absolute horror show. <laughs> First Craig Bryson, pub quiz of the year. Justin's making a mockery of himself. Um, final one then, Justin. Last clue. I'm now a free agent at the age of 28. Oh. Jesus. That's not Just have a think about it. So, played for three Championship clubs. And in that time, he's cost £23 million in transfer fees. Forest, Watford, and who was the other one? I only said Watford and Forest. Oh my god, you tease! I felt the last one would give it away. Forest and Watford. Um, he's twenty-eight. Made his debut in two thousand eleven. He got released oh, from a Championship club in the summer. Oh, Christ, I don't know. Are you giving up? No, I'm not giving up. Um. So aggressive. <laughs> He's currently a free agent. Yes. Okay, can I have a bonus clue? Bonus clue. Um, he plays international football for the Congo. Oh, I know who it is. Um, but I was going to ask if we covered him in the free agent Tinder, which is a nice little plug for that video. Good video. Um, it's Britta Sombolonga. It is British Summer Longer. You got there in the end. You got there from a bonus clue, which I'm not even sure counts. But how do you feel after that embarrassing uh, performance there, Justin? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly shocked and embarrassed by that. I, I can't believe some of the shouts. Jamie Vardy came up, Jack Marriott, the Wellstone Raider. Yeah, it wasn't a good showing, and I'd like I feel to like apologise. The Wellstone Raider was probably the closest one you had there. <laughs> probably did. Uh, I'd like to apologise to um, to everyone, the, the listeners, the viewers. I've, I've let you all down, and to Barry White, most importantly. Uh, yeah, to Barry White, I apologise. I've let the deep voice crew down as well. Well, since we're doing this every week, do you want to keep a track? Of how well we do. You do one one week, I do one the other week. And Got we post see... it, yeah. There we go. Let's keep a track okay. then and see who is the ultimate championship expert come the end of the season. Well, this has been the Second Tier Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for uh, listening to the preview episode ahead of this weekend's championship games. Um, we'll be back again on Sunday with a roundup of all the action from the championship over the course of the weekend. And we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. I thought you were going to say I've been Barry White then. I'm so <laughs> oh, disappointed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.